Father, thank you for this morning you have given us. He is risen, he is risen indeed. Jesus has risen from the dead, and we are thankful for that. Bless us in this time together. Lord, touch lives, change lives. Use us, Lord. Open our eyes and our ears to the opportunities that are around us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. And I want to talk on our message this morning about what does the Bible say about being essential. Here in Wisconsin, we've had a lot of discussion or a lot of uh, activity on social media when our governor had said briefly that uh, churches were not essential. And it really amazed me how the uh, conservative churches got all upset about that, like a governor or some government or some person can really define what is essential. I want to tell you that the body of Christ is essential. There are a lot of things in this world that are essential, and of course some of these are my opinion, uh, but I'm going to share them with you anyways. Um, food is essential. Work is essential. Uh, if, if we need to go to work, we need to go to work. I'm thankful for our nurses and our doctors, and I'm thankful for our food providers and our gas stations and, and uh, our restaurants that can do the carryouts. There are many things that are essential, but in my opinion, meeting together at this time during a pandemic that is spreading is not essential. Again, I'm saying meeting together is not essential. Sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, is always essential. That is one of God's divine laws. And that this is really a time I believe that the body of Christ can work greatly in the world today. And uh, we're going to hit on some of those topics today. 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen tells us, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. This is a time where the church really gets motivated, where the church really gets deployed into doing the work of the church. For a long time, it sort of has rested upon the pastors, or uh, some people will say, you know, 10% of the body does 90% of the work. You know, this is a time when the whole body of Christ needs to get uh, motivated and out there working and uh, spreading the gospel because there is people that are looking for answers but they're not going to come to a gathering at this time to find that answer. So what are we going to do? Matthew 10, 29 through 31 tells us this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. We as believers in Christ, are essential. He has chosen us to be vessels of his message to a world that is looking and searching and trying to figure things out at this time. This is the most chaotic time I can remember in my life, and we have the opportunity sitting right before us. And yet, what are we focusing on? We need to talk about that. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 tells us this, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. 
To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, and that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. See, there are three differences to Paul's style of evangelism and of the modern-day church's style. The first thing I want to point out is this. Paul was not interested in pleasing the world or making sure he was good friends with someone before sharing Christ. He had only the gospel in mind, nothing else. All he did was for the sake of the gospel. This is far different than what we see today. Many churches are so focused on coming together. Some churches are so focused on the money aspect or growing or, you know, numbers and, and all these other things that we are really missing the heart of the gospel. His was the gospel and nothing else. All he did was for the sake of the gospel. Are we doing that in our life? Secondly, Paul was not willing to sin in order to share the gospel. So some people use this passage that we have read that, you know, we become like the world in order to win the world. Paul wasn't saying that at all. When Paul says that he was like certain groups of people, he did not mean that he would participate in their sinful activities. How do we know this? Well, we know it because it would conflict with hundreds of other passages Paul wrote to us about the Christian life. That means Paul wouldn't have hung out in a bar drinking with his buddies and getting tipsy. He wouldn't have sat down at a poker table or gambled his way his day's wages. He wouldn't have joined his friends in the movie theater to watch a film filled with sex and violence. Thinking that this is what that passage means is taking it completely out of the context of the rest of Paul's writings. And thirdly, Paul was a servant. Paul did what he did with a servant's heart and not from a selfish heart. He did so with a humble heart and not a prideful heart. This is very different than what we see today as people talk about what they can do or don't have to do under the banner of that freedom that is found in Christ. While there may be a pretense of service, when the veneer is really stripped away, we find it's really about feeding one's appetite for what they feel is important and justifying it. So what did Paul mean in these verses? I think a comparable example in today's society would be something like this. If I'm going to minister to the homeless on the street, I'm not going to wear high heels and diamonds or a fancy suit. If I'm going to minister to the wealthy, I'm not going to dress in rags. I will do all I can do without sinning, to be like the group that I am trying to witness to, in order to gain an audience in which to share the gospel. We need to understand that. We need to really look at that even in this COVID-19 period. As we are reaching out to people who have, have maybe lost their job, have health issues, are struggling with a loved one being in the hospital, not being able to see a loved one who is in a nursing home. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves. And we need to get our eyes onto others. We need to understand that we are the ones that are setting the example for the rest of the world. You know, many good things have come out of Christianity. 
the nursing and the healthcare, all that started with Christian values and Christian goals. We are not called as Christians to walk the fence or to get as close to something as we can without getting burned or to press the boundaries. I was sort of appalled this last week to see Christians that were attacking government leaders for statements that they are making when the Bible is so clear that we are to pray for one another, that we are to pray for the leaders. And really when we look at Romans 13 to see that no leaders are in place that God hasn't allowed. Many churches and pastors are being selfish at this time. They are trying to prove to the world and government that they are essential during this time of trial. Listen, I as a pastor, I as a father, I as a, as a husband, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. God knows my heart. God knows my value. And when I was born again, I found my value in Christ. There's no man that's going to define if I am essential or not essential. There's no person that's going to convince me otherwise. They could pass all the laws that they want. And if they want to say I'm unessential, that's fine. I still know differently. The sermon is essential, some pastors say. They say I need to feed my sheep, and there's many scriptures that say that. But if the only essential feeding your body gets is a sermon, guess what? They're malnutritioned already. If that's all that you're thinking about is getting your people together so they can stare at you through a windshield and hear the message there, that's not really feeding your sheep. As a matter of fact, I believe that that's putting them at risk. Feeding your sheep is more than that. It's caring for them. We forget that and that discourse that Jesus had uh, with Peter when he said, feed my sheep, he also said, tend my sheep. That means keep my sheep safe. So if the only essential feeding your body is getting is a sermon, I hate to tell you, but they're malnutritioned. Are we as pastors compelling the sheep to be as safe as possible? They'll say, we wear masks. We keep six feet apart. We have sanitizer. We are sitting in our cars. We are listening to a radio or a loudspeaker. Is that really safer than being at home where we can safely at this time of COVID-19 hear and accomplish the same things? I, for one, know that if I had my congregation out in the cars in the parking lot and I could see them out there, I'd want to go up and talk with them. I'd, I'd be compelled. I'd be overwhelmed to want to do that. And I believe uh, with all my heart that in some of these situations that's going to happen. That's the nature of us. That's part of that fellowship that is so great. And so part of this, I also believe, is keeping us from that temptation. Stay at home. Stay safe. You can accomplish many of the same things right from home. There's YouTube. There's Zoom. There's Facebook. There's multiple of different things. Uh, there's DVDs and CDs in, in our church. I know we're purchasing CD players so people can hear the message if they're not on uh, social media. 
you know, there's many of ways that, that we can meet this. And we've thought about when we even join back together of a church, how wonderful that's going to be to have those resources for if somebody is sick and has to stay at home, or if we have a shut-in that cannot make it to church, how they can be sent a DVD or a CD to listen to or to watch, or they can watch it on the internet if they were unable to make it to church that day. There's a wonderful things that are happening during this time. Pastors and people both forget that they are Jesus' sheep too, and not the under-shepherds. A lot of pastors that I have talked to that say, I'm the shepherd of my sheep. Well, no, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says we are under-shepherds. Jesus is the shepherd of his sheep. But as pastors, we are given the privilege of caring for and safekeeping of Jesus' sheep. Some blindly follow their pastors. I understand that. Why won't you trust your pastor? You love your pastor. So as pastors, are we really caring for the sheep entrusted to us when we are calling them out into a potentially dangerous situation? We need to understand that we need to do and say what is best for our people. We are essential. Don't think because we're not the center of attention every Sunday in a standing behind a pulpit that we're unessential. We are. Our people need us at this time, but in a different way. They need us to be calling them. They need us to be praying for them. They need to know that they are loved and cared for. There's many different things that bodies can do. We are trying to get out our, our daily breads to people or our days of praise or our in-touch magazines. We've bought in our congregation a book to go through during this time, so when we get back together, we can talk about the principles of it. There's many ways to do this. Jesus is the shepherd. We're the under-shepherds. Let's take care of those people that are under our care. And you as believers, we have visited some people as we've dropped off some materials, and some have said, you know, we're really not trying to compromise our house at this time. You know, we'll meet you outside or you can leave it on our deck. We are so fine with that. We are so okay with that. And I've had others that have come up when we've come and they've come up and hugged us and, and uh, just, ah, oh, we've missed getting together. And I appreciate that time too. This is a time when the entire body of Christ can be at work individually for the corporate good. Remember our scripture at the very beginning today, as we talked about it? For the body does not consist of one member, but many. We are all the body of Christ. It doesn't all have to lay on the pastor. The pastor doesn't need to be the superhero of the situation. This is the entire body, and we can work individually for the corporate good. And the churches that are going to do that, are going to prosper. God is going to start a revival and he's going to bless the churches that do that. You don't need the world's approval to say that you are essential. Believe me, God has already declared it. Yet Christians and pastors alike flooded social media. This is a time for the church to get all its fingers and toes, all its arms and legs, all its ears and mouth working for the gospel's sake. 1 Corinthians 12 12 through 25 tells us this in greater depth for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jew or Greek whether slave or free 
and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of that body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And it ends that part saying, and therefore should be no schism or division in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. Listen, if that isn't something that levels the playing field, nothing will. We are a body. We work together as a body. And I believe during this time that God is saying, wake up, church. He's telling us as the body of Christ, each of you needs to get busy. Pastors are upset because they cannot gather together at this time because they have become comfortable and complacent with their role. Their role in the eyes has been diminished and they are fighting to be essential. The potlucks aren't being served and tell you what, I love the potlucks and I miss the potlucks. But the potlucks aren't being served. The Lord's table is being done in a different way. The offering tray is not being passed. And their eyes are on the storm and not on the opportunities being afforded through God's sovereignty. We have a great opportunity. Listen, if all you can do is give a phone call, I have talked to many, many people that say, I just want to talk with somebody. Give a person that phone call. Write them a letter. I know we're used to emails and we're used to texts. Those are fine too. But sometimes a personal card means so much more. You have a neighbor that's asking questions about things. You have the answer. Help them in whatever way that you can. I want to close this with a challenge out of Luke 15, 4 through 7. And it tells us this. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine at the pasture and go after the one that is lost till he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and comes home. And he calls together his friends and neighbors to tell them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous ones who do not need to repent. Boy, that verse just speaks volumes to me. We have become a church that is comfortable. We like being in that group of the 99. We are the righteous. We are the ones that know Jesus. We are the ones that sing the hymns. We are the ones that tote our Bibles around. We are the ones that pray before meals. He says, does the shepherd not go after that one that is lost? 
this is an opportunity where we have a choice. Are we going to be the 99 that just tries to hold together to our own, that has our little social club, that, that has to meet in whatever manner it has to meet? Or are we going to be the one that goes out and searches after that lost sheep? If every one of us in the church went out and looked for that lost sheep, might be a family member, might be a neighbor, might be a, a co-worker, might be just a, a contact at the corner store. If we were to go out and look for that lost sheep and share the gospel of God with them, revival will take place. God will bless us. And listen, as a pastor, I go through some of the struggles. I've seen some of my people that I haven't seen in, in a few weeks, and, and I have to say, my, my heart is empty, and my heart is, is, is aching because I don't like to be separated from those that are part of my body of Christ here in Augusta. But Paul had times, too, that he was separated from the ones that he had loved and the ones that he had established. Romans 1, 8 through 12 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Again, I want to say this. As Paul was apart from these people, what was he hearing? He was hearing that the body, and again, we've described what the body is. It's the fingers, the hands, the toes, the feet, the nose, the ear. It's everything. The body was doing their work. He says, your faith has been proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. A pastor's biggest responsibility is to pray for those within his congregation. It's to meet the needs, too. It's to feed the sheep. It's to exhort. It's to edify. It's to tend. But we need to pray and we need to thank God for the people that he's given us. Listen, my church is not weak. Augusta First Baptist, we are not a weak church. We're not a church that depends on just one person. We've gone through transition. We've gone through a transformation. Our body is strong. And we know that each one in our body has a purpose and a meaning. And so I can thank God that the gospel is going out from you. Let's do that. Let's have that mindset. Asking somehow by God's will, he says, that I may now at least succeed in coming to you. Paul missed them. He missed those ones that he loved and that he has, had established, but he knew that the time was coming when he would be back together. I want you to know this Easter Sunday, church, that I am looking forward to the time when we can come back together. And I know in talking with some of you, you're looking forward to that same time. It's not right now. It may not be for a few weeks, maybe even a little bit longer, but the time will come. But in the meantime, church, get busy. Be busy. Reach out to family, friends. Keep in touch. Keep that fellowship going. God is going to bless that. Paul said, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. I really think the time is going to come when we come back together as a body of believers. It's going to be a wonderful time. We're going to be able to share stories of what God has done. And it's going to increase our faith and it's going to revitalize us for the calling that God has on our life. And while there's probably little that, 
most of us can do to change the wrong direction that some churches are currently going in, there is much we can do personally. Let's keep ourselves from falling prey to the lie that we need to be like the world in order to win the world. In our personal Christian life and evangelism, may we be like Paul, doing all out of a heart of love, with passion to live a holy life, and all for the sake of, gospel, of the gospel. We cancel physical gatherings not because we fear a virus, but because we love the vulnerable and we care for those in this world and the world that God loves. We remember that healing, both spiritual and physical, are aspects of worship. It's one thing to risk your own life in order to worship together. It is quite another to risk the lives of countless others. When so many churches are finding creative and compelling ways to carry on and worship in community from a distance, by offering their remote services and proclaiming the hope of the gospel in troubled times, many churches are reaching audiences that they never have before. And guess what? That includes us, Augusta. Are we wanting to stay with the 99 during this time? Because you know the lost are not looking for a church group to attend at this time. Or are we as his body willing to reach out to the lost who are searching for an answer that a building cannot supply, but a personal encounter with Jesus can. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for our body here in Augusta. We thank you for First Baptist Church. Not because we're Baptists, not because the church has been here a long time, but because this is the body of believers that you have joined together, knit and sewn together, for a time such as this. You have empowered us. Your scripture says we can all do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, help us to believe that at this time as we move forward. Help us to reach out in love. Help us to share the gospel message with those around us. Help us not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith. And Lord, to walk safely. We thank you, Lord, again for all that you do. And we do look forward to the time when we will once again be joined together where we can shake hands and, and hug one another and sing praises together. But Lord, until that time, we know that you have much for us to do. And we thank you for the task that is at hand. Not called the qualified, but you qualify the called. And we are thankful for that. And we pray this and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.